Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. So we are starting a new series today in the Gospel of John. Uh, Gospel of John is a really powerful book. Actually, many people have come to faith simply by reading the book of John. I heard a great story, and I don't know where it came from. It's kind of more like preacher folklore at this, place, at this time, but uh, I'll share it with you, and we'll know that it originated somewhere. I heard this story about a preacher who was passing out Bibles in, in a city on the street, and he would just give free Bibles to people, and he had a guy come up to him, and he said, hey, can I give you a Bible? And the guy said, I'm not interested in your religion. To be honest with you, if you give me a Bible, I'm going to tear out the pages and use it to roll joints and smoke them. And the preacher said, okay, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you this Bible, but you have to read each page before you rip out the page to roll your doobies. (laughs) And the guy said, deal. Well, they parted ways, no follow-up, no contact, until sometime later, the preacher ran into this man, and he looked completely different, looked completely different. And the man came up to him and said, preacher, do you remember me? And the preacher said, I don't. I don't remember you. And he said, I'm the one several years ago who you gave that Bible to, and I made the promise that I would read each page before I ripped it out and, and rolled something. And, and the preacher said, oh, well, what happened? He goes, well, I became a Christian. And he says, well, how did that happen? And the guy says, well, I smoked my way through Matthew. I smoked my way through Mark. I smoked my way through Luke. And then John smoked me. The gospel of John got him. (laughs) And through reading about Jesus in the gospel of John, he was led to faith. Now, I I love that because the gospel of John is powerful. It's powerful. We'll let him calm down. That one got him. (laughs) It's all right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) The Gospel of John is powerful, and one of the reasons it's powerful is because in almost every chapter, Jesus is asking questions. And, and asking questions was a way that a rabbi actually taught. Rather than just saying, here, 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 and here, this is what you need to learn, he would ask questions to sort of make people wrestle. And, and questions are a challenging thing, right? They're, they can put you on the spot. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to the park with my kids, and the park was just crowded with children. And my kids ran off. I'm like, I don't even know where they went. And this little three-year-old boy comes up to me, and he goes, hey, uh, you're wearing a green shirt, and I am too. And I was like, that's cool. And, um, and then he goes, hey, um, is this this park? And I was like, what, what kind of question is that? I don't understand. I mean, if you had said, is this a park or is this the park, that would have made sense. But when you said, is this this park, it sounds really philosophical coming from a three-year-old. I'm like, am I, am I Neo in the Matrix and you're Morpheus trying to tell me something? And, and I looked at him. I was like, is this this park? And I looked at this three-year-old boy and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. 
And I walked around the park looking at the ground for the next 10 minutes going, is this this park? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, of course, he didn't mean anything by it, but it shows the power of a question to get you to think. And as we go through John, um, we're going to be going kind of quick. We're going to be doing almost a chapter every week, and that's why we have this reading plan that you can engage uh, so that you can break up the book of John throughout your week. Um, but we're actually going to read a lot on Sunday. We're going to read the entire chapter of First of John chapter 1 in the gospel today, page 603 if you've got one of the church Bibles. And, and the reason why we actually want to read the whole chapter is because something spiritual actually happens just when God's word is spoken. In fact, uh, Paul writes to one of his protégés, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. In other words, if I were just to read this out loud, the Holy Spirit would use it in your lives somehow. And so we're going to read the entire chapter of John 1 today. And uh, I'm going to ask a couple people to go ahead and come on forward who are going to help me read this. And while they come forward, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we do ask that you would open up our hearts, that the gospel of John would saturate us and change us and work in us through this next season. Uh, we want to know you, Jesus. We want to believe you. We want to understand who you are. And we ask that through your word, we would. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Ashley and Joel are going to read uh, each about a third of it, and then I'll read the last part. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we all have received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. 
just as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, Why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one I'm he is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35 says, The next day John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, Will you say this with me? What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and he found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Word of God. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? That question might cause you to reflect. Maybe it's a job that you're looking for, a new job. Or maybe it's the love of your life that you are seeking. Uh, maybe it's an audience that you want. Or maybe it's peace and justice or freedom. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you hope to get when you find what you're looking for? 
Is it a sense of purpose? Is it a feeling of significance? Is it fulfillment or comfort? My guess is that each of us and whatever we're looking for, there's a sense that we're looking for it because we believe by finding it, we will find life. We will find a fullness in life. We believe that once we get what we're looking for, we will have a fuller life. But let me spin that question just for a second. What if everything in your life is arranged by God to get you to look for just one thing? Just one thing. Not many things, but one thing. Uh, The book of John, the gospel of John, starts off with the words, in the beginning was the word. And that idea of the word, that doesn't necessarily mean the Bible. It's a, it's a translation of the Greek word logos. And the Greeks had this idea of this concept called the logos. And they thought the logos was like the universe's soul. They thought that the logos was like the root of the cosmos. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. Leon Morris said that they believed the word, they believed the Logos was like a force that originated and permeated and directed all things. But then John goes on to say, in the beginning was the word, was the Logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This idea that the soul of the universe was not something separate from God or behind God or before God, but was face-to-face with God and was God himself. Then John goes on to write, all things were created through him. Through him. In other words, the logos, the word, is not a force, it's a person. That would have been different for the Greeks in their thinking. They would have thought that the, that the Logos, the word, was impersonal. And here John's saying it is personal, and it's not an it, it's a he. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In other words, the word, the Logos, is the creator. In the dark abyss of non-existence, the word created all things. Every tree, every animal, every mountain, every star, every galaxy. Every star in every galaxy. It's estimated that there are 10 octillion stars in all the galaxies in all the cosmos. 10 octillion. Now, that's not thousands or millions or billions or quadrillions or quintillions or sextillions or septillions, but it's octillions and ten of them. Ten octillion stars in the universe. And John is saying that the word created all things. Apart from him, no star was created. He created every single one of them. Verse 4 and 5, John goes on to say, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Uh, This one, this word, this logos had life in him. And his life shone light to all of humanity. In other words, he didn't just create out of the dark abyss of non-existence. He brings light into the dark abyss of human existence to every person. 
And the darkness in that we experience does not overcome the light of the word. He looks at a sinful world with broken people and unjust society and fractured relationship and death and darkness. And all that does not overcome the light that comes from this one called the word. Now John the Baptist, not the gospel writer John, John the gospel writer tells us about John the Baptist and says that his ministry was to point people to the light coming. John was not this light, but he was here to tell people that a light was coming that would be a true light to everyone. Verse 9 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was going to shine light on every man, woman, and child. Every person on the continent of Africa and Europe and Australia and Asia. To all those who were sick and healthy to the oppressed and the oppressor, to the rich and the poor. He was not just a light, but the light. But then verse 10 tells us that he was in the world. This this light came into the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. In other words, the Logos came into the world, and the very world that he created did not know that he was the light. Because they were not looking for him, or they were looking for something else. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? But in verse 12 through 13, John tells us that to all who did receive him, he gave them to be, that gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. In other words, there are some that see the light. And by giving themselves to the light, they get the right to become children of God. Not just anyone, not not all of creation is God's children. Every person is God's creation, but not every person is God's child. They have to come to see the light to be adopted by God as his child. They get a new birth. Something spiritual happens in them that they cannot produce themselves, but that the light does to them. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. And what they must do is believe in the name of the light. But John still hasn't told us his name. What is this name of of the logos of the word? Then John says this in verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if the Greeks would have been blown away that the word was not impersonal but personal, they would have really been blown away when John says he came and put on flesh. The light, the logos, the one who had life in him came and put on flesh and lived among us. And we observed his glory The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is called the incarnation. And it comes from the Latin word incarne, or in flesh, in meat. In other words, this one that John has been talking about, put on flesh and walked among us. And as he came and walked among us, humanity was able to see the weight of who he was. That he was, in fact, the Son of God, full of both grace and full of truth. And then in verse 16, indeed, 
we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. Who, John? Who are you talking about? You're saying that there is one who just has grace and grace and favor and favor and blessing and blessing from God. What's his name? Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Through the name of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah. John's pointing out that the commands of God came from Moses, but the spiritual life of God came into us through Jesus Christ, who was the presence of God on earth among us. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. He has revealed God. Jesus is the revelation of God on earth among broken, sinful humanity who are living in darkness and need light. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Significance, identity, purpose. Here's what's interesting, what happens when people actually come face-to-face with the Word, face-to-face with the Logos, face-to-face with Jesus Christ. In verse 19 and 20, we're introduced to John the Baptist's ministry. John's testimony was being heard, and the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? Who are you, man? And he didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. Now, this is interesting. It's interesting how John answers their question. Because he doesn't give a long resume up front about who he is. He just wants to clarify who he's not. Listen, there is, you see that there's significance happening in my ministry says John the Baptist, but I want to clarify, it's not as significant as something that's about to happen that's not really about me. That's not really about me. I'm just here to point to one whose significance, I don't have to prove my significance because I want you to get to see the significant one who is coming. And there's something that we can learn from John the Baptist's ministry about our own sense of significance. That it's actually more important that we're around someone who's significant than we try and prove our own significance. Because you and I can be on a treadmill for our whole lives trying to prove that we are significant. How do you know when you get there? How significant do you have to be to feel significant? And yet John finds his significance in his insignificance next to the one who is significant. In fact, when John sees Jesus in verse 29, he says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. It's interesting that when Jesus shows up, again, John is just giving his resume as one who is insignificant because his purpose is to point to the one who ranks ahead of him. And in his finding insignificance, it doesn't seem to matter because he's just a mirror pointing people to the light. He's just a mirror pointing people to the light. 
In fact, the very next day, Jesus comes and shows up again. And again, John says, look, look, don't look here, look there at the Lamb of God. And by doing that, John actually loses two followers. Andrew and someone else leave John the Baptist's side and begin to follow Jesus. And I don't see anything in here about John whining or complaining. No, they found the significant one. I'm insignificant. In fact, later in John, later in this book, John the Baptist will say, he must become greater, I must become less. And there's something about finding significance in Jesus that actually helps you in your own fight for significance because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be about you. It's incredibly significant to point people to the one who is significant. Well, something in my opinion that's a little funny happens. Because Andrew and this other disciple are following Jesus. And I don't know if they're right behind him. I don't know if they're 50 yards behind him. But Jesus notices. And in verse 38, Jesus turned and noticed them following him. And he asked them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, there's a simple layer to that question. And the simple layer is, can I help you? <laughs> You've been following me for a while. Is there something that I can do for you? But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more to it than that. Because the one who was with God and was God stands before them. The one who spoke creation into existence is in their presence. The one who knows the name of 10 octillion stars because he created 10 octillion stars stands in their presence. The one who is life and the light of all humanity is right in front of them, looking at them in the eyes. The one full of grace and truth and grace upon grace upon grace is there. The one who reveals God. The one who brings light into a dark world who is God incarnate, is right in front of them. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? And, and Andrew, uh, Andrew, you know, gives an answer that actually isn't the answer to the question, what are you looking for? And, and maybe he's shy. Maybe Andrew's shy. Maybe he doesn't know how to answer that question. Maybe he knows there's something significant about Jesus, but he's like, how do I convey that? But his answer is simply this, teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And that isn't simply, where's your crib? Can we come check it out? That, that is, we want to know more about you. We want to know more about you. Can we be with you? In the word, the logos, Jesus Christ says, come and you'll see. He invites relationship. He, it, he invites relationship. He invites them to be with them and come near to them. And they go with Jesus Christ, the word, and hang out for the afternoon at his place. Well, the next day, Andrew, after spending that time with Jesus, says, I have, I have to find my brother Simon. I have to find my brother Simon and tell him, that we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And so in verse 42, he goes and he gets Simon and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus sees Simon and he says, you are Simon, son of John. 
you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, or we know that it means the rock. Peter, the rock. What's interesting is that throughout the Gospels, Peter isn't really a rock. Uh, Peter is kind of a spaz. He's violent. He shoots his mouth off. And in the most important moment when Jesus is betrayed and put on the cross, Peter is not a rock at all. Peter runs. Peter runs away and hides. But in his restoration, after Jesus rises from the dead, it's there we see a change in Peter where he becomes a rock. He becomes the rock of the church. What happened? What does he say? You are Simon. You will be Peter. You are Simon. You will be the rock. You know, so many of us are looking for identity and belonging and purpose, and we want to be in charge of who Jesus makes us into. A self-made identity. And let me tell you, that is another hamster wheel. Because how do you know when you've made yourself into the person that you want to be? How do you know that you got that identity that you want? How do you know that you'll keep it? And yet here we see Jesus giving Peter a new identity. You are Simon. You will be Peter the Rock. And Peter becomes the Rock, not overnight, but Jesus is committed to him. And he changes Peter over time. If you know Jesus Christ, your identity is in him. That is to say, he is making you into something that he wants you to be. You know, you can't just walk up to someone and say, I know who you are and I'm going to rename you. See how that goes when you go home. But Jesus can, right? Jesus has the authority to rename someone because he is making them into the person that he wants to be. And he's doing the same with you. You have an identity in him, and he is changing you to make you more like himself. And sometimes that is a process, but there are things that are true about your identity in Jesus right now that you don't have to wait for. In Jesus Christ, right now, your identity is that you are loved. In Jesus Christ, your identity is that you are forgiven, and you have the Holy Spirit, and you will spend eternity with God, and you're part of a family, and you're not alone, and he is committed to you, and that's who you are. Your identity is in him. You are Simon. You will be Peter. Then in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He, Jesus, found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, we don't know a ton about Philip. We don't know much about him from the rest of the Gospels. He kind of comes across as a little bit ordinary. There's some episodes where he doesn't really know what to do. And yet, Jesus looks for him. Jesus finds Philip and says, come, follow me. And the way that the Greek translate, it's like, follow me, and then follow me some more, and then while you're at it, keep on following me. It's a continuation that Jesus is inviting Philip to when he's not even really looking for Jesus. Some of you are not sure what you're looking for. When I ask that question, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Nothing came to mind. 
And maybe you feel like you're living an ordinary life or in an ordinary season. Maybe you're in a season of transition or breaking free from addiction or you're an overwhelmed parent. That's okay. Jesus comes to us in our ordinariness and says, follow me. Keep on following me. And while you're at it, stay following me. And Philip does. Philip does. And that frees us, really, from having to find our own significance and identity apart from Jesus. Because no matter how ordinary we are, Jesus stays committed and just invites us. Whatever season we're in, follow me. In verse 45 and 46, Philip finds Nathanael and tells him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Then then Nathanael asks a pretty good question. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him, come and see, Philip answered. Now, I get Nathanael's question because Nazareth is kind of a small town. There's only about 2,000 people. And Philip, being kind of ordinary, might not have a good answer, so he just says, come and see. And maybe that's an encouragement for you as you're trying to share who Jesus is with your friends. You don't have all the answers, but you can say, look what he's done in my life. Come and see. Look what he's doing at my church. Come and see. Well, Jesus sees Nathanael coming towards him in verse 47. And Jesus says this as Nathanael approaches. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And what Jesus means by that is Nathanael speaks his mind. He's not two-faced. He doesn't front. If he thinks something, he says it. And then Nathaniel actually proves his point because Nathaniel doesn't go, oh, shucks, thanks for the compliment. Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? <laughs> he speaks his mind. And then Jesus says something interesting. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. We don't really know what that is about. There, there's, not, there's not details. We don't know if there's a fig tree within Nathaniel's courtyard in his home where literally no one could see him. But something happened to Nathaniel while he was under that fig tree. It was a very personal moment or a private moment or even a moment where he's communing with God. And Jesus, who is God, knows about it. He knows about it. Nathaniel, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And the fact that Jesus knows that about what Nathaniel experienced immediately leads Nathaniel to say, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Some of you are searching right now. Is that you? You're looking, you're wondering. You're searching, you're looking, you're trying to figure out who Jesus is. You're trying, you're, you're trying to explore this path. Listen, as you try and explore who Jesus is, Jesus already knows you. Jesus already knows where you are. And, and so sometimes we get to this point where we're trying to explore who Jesus is, and we have to have all our questions answered, and yet we have a sense that Jesus already is with us and already knows us and is, it is pressing into us. And for you, I wouldn't say, what are you looking for? I'd say, what are you waiting for? 
when will you come to the point of saying Jesus is Lord? He is king. Turn to him and believe and confess to him that he is the Savior. Jesus responds to Nathanael's confession by asking another question. He says to Nathanael, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Nathanael, you're in awe because I know you. Wait until you get to know Jesus goes on to say in verse 51, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, you're in awe because I know you. Wait till you get to see who I am. I am heaven on earth. I am the touch point between a perfect God and broken humanity. I am the ladder that that Jacob saw in the Old Testament. I am the presence of God on earth. As N.T. Wright says, if you follow me, you'll be watching what it looks like when heaven and earth are open to each other. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Significance, purpose, identity, fulfillment. Whatever you're looking for, everything in your life is arranged by God to get you to look for one thing. And it's not a thing. It's a person. It's the word. It's the logos. It's the light. It's the one who had life in him, who came into a sinful, broken world. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the King of Israel. It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And if you're curious, come and see. He'll show you all of who he is. And if you're in, follow him and stay committed to him. Give him your life. He knows you. He knows everything about your life, and he wants to show you more of who he is. You can search all over, but you will not find anyone as great as Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and worship you, and we thank you that you are the one. There's so much significance we can find in you. There's so much purpose by being near you. There's so much identity that uh, that we have as your people. And I pray that you would help us to rest in that. And whatever search we're on, might we find rest in you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.